Hey, it's Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th, Part 6, to name a few. And you're listening to the Bean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Militia. I'm Mean Joe Grizzly, and when I'm not traveling around the country eating the flesh of dirt bags I come across, having an awkward six-course meal at a psychopath's restaurant, or fighting off an army of possessed good guy dolls, I'm at the Grizzly Cave, watching movies, reading comments, listening to metal, and of course, crushing beers. And this is the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. So this past Thanksgiving weekend, I went and seen a couple of movies, those being Bones and All and The Menu. And I also finished season two of Chucky, and I want to talk about them. But before we get started, I want to remind everyone to please like and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. That way, you'll never miss an episode. Also, follow the show on all social media platforms so you can get updates on upcoming episodes, geek news, discussions, cool videos, and interact with yours truly. So follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast at Mean Joe Grizz Pod on Twitter, like the official Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast Facebook page, and last but certainly not least, join my Mean Militia on the show's official Facebook group, the Mean Joe Grizzly Mean Militia. I look forward to interacting with y'all and talking about all forms of badassery. So let's kick this Thanksgiving triple threat off with my review of the Dark Love Story, Bones and All. This is Grizzly Grade Reviews. So Bones and All tells the story of a teenager named Marin who has these cannibalistic impulses that manifest at random moments, causing her and her dad to essentially live their lives in a constant state of movement, never really being able to lay down roots or settle anywhere. And after not experiencing an episode in quite some time, Marin attends a sleepover against her father's wishes and of course has a bout with her insatiable hunger for human flesh leading her to tear the flesh off a finger of one of her peers and 
Of course, being mortified and confused, Marion runs back home where her and her father grab whatever they can and leave. They would make their way to another state and somewhat try to settle down there. And shortly after her 18th birthday, Marion's father would abandon her, leaving her only with some cash and a tape recording of him explaining what he knows about her condition, where her mother supposedly is, and how he did his best by her after her mother, who also has the same condition, abandoned them and that he could no longer continue to take care of her. Marion would then set out on the road in search of answers and her long lost mother. But along the way, she would discover that she's not the only one of her kind after meeting the maniacal Sully, a self-proclaimed eater that approaches Marion saying that he smelled her. The two would have a very awkward encounter where she would stay the night with him in this house that is not his. He broke into the house and supposedly found this old lady that had had a stroke or whatnot, but in all reality, Sully had knocked her out or injured her to where she was incapacitated and Sully planned to eat her. And at first, Marin is fighting her hunger and she doesn't want to do the things that she does, but it's just such an insatiable hunger that she can't she can't fight it off. And the more that her and Sully talked about everything, the more uncomfortable she got with Sully because Sully seemed to enjoy it and embraced his so-called eater status. And he also, Sully is nothing like Marin. He is like a trophy collector, like this guy scalps his supposed victims and keeps all of their hair in this weird long like hair rope he's just really childlike simple-minded seeming monster pretty much and acts like he means well but in all reality he's just again a monster and this would lead her to flee in fear and get back on the bus and set back out on her journey again and this would lead her to another town where she would meet lee another eater who like Marin, just wants to live and survive and understand their impulses and how to cope with them and of course the two fall in love and i really don't want to talk much more about the movie as far as plot goes i want everybody to go see this movie because this movie was really really good um it's got some kind of it's got like this moral stigma thing with it though because these they're not good people because they're killing people and they're eating them now they are killing lee and Marin do kill people that are quote bad and at least they think they're bad and I get that that's the lesser of two evils, but they're still eating people. But the but the the love, the chemistry, and the love story between them is it's real touching because it's literally two very broken and not necessarily deranged. Because I think Sully is actually deranged, but these two just want to live. They just want to survive, and they go town to town siphoning gas and doing little odd jobs and stuff like that trying to just survive and 
they don't never they never really explain what this condition is what this 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 hunger is and it doesn't seem like they at least i didn't i don't remember them actually saying that they had to eat human flesh in order to live but it's just an impulse that they cannot they cannot stop they eat regular food and stuff but they they just get this urge to feed and it's this animalistic urge that they cannot they cannot stop so it's a lot like uh this movie's a lot like it has it has callbacks to a very good vampire movie from the 80s that's very underrated it, it reminds me a lot of that movie and that movie is near dark i don't know if you've ever seen near dark one day i'm going to review it but if y'all have never seen near dark go watch it it's really really good it's a very underrated vampire movie. Probably one of the best vampire movies of the 1980s, if not one of the best of all time. Just nobody knows about it. But it has a lot of cues from that, especially in the way the movie is shot. And I'll get to that on the on the positives. But the it has those vibes to it. And it, it's very reminiscent of like the, the ghouls from like, the anime Tokyo Ghoul. It's a lot like that, only they have to eat flesh to survive. So they some some of these quote ghouls or eaters won't they embrace their their hunger and they just eat to eat. And then some don't want to. They want to live normal lives. They want to do this. And just the the movie the movie itself just exploring like Lee's past and and his his traumas and stuff that he had that that led him the first time he fed and the first time the hunger hit him and stuff like that and and all the stuff with with Marin's past and her her issues all of it is just this strangely relatable situation and it's just it's a very touching love story honestly it's kind of weird saying that because it's about two cannibals falling in love pretty much, but it's a really good, it's a really good movie. And I think everyone needs to go, go see it. And I'm going to stop talking about the plot and stuff now, and I'm going to get to the positives. So the positives with it is this movie is just shot so beautifully. Just like I was saying, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great camera work in this movie and it's really has to do with like the filters and the lighting in the movie is just superb. There's like, there's this, this one specific type of shot and it's probably got a technical term in the film industry. And I just, I'm just ignorant to what that term is called, but there's like this shot, like where you're looking uphill down like an abandoned road. And there's always this glooming light up on the hilltop right above the rim of the road and they do a lot of shots like that near dark did a lot of stuff like that too in the camp with their camera work this movie has a lot of that uh, i think that they did a good job of making you sympathetic to these otherwise monsters like you they made you very sympathetic with these with this couple with these two kids and showing you by showing you what what a bad 
quote eater is and what a good eater is even though there's really in all reality there none of them are good it it was very well done in that regard uh the chemistry between lee and Marin is very 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 organic and feels very genuine i think that both of those actors are those the actor and actress did a very very good job of conveying that emotion and that that relationship between them sully is a very good villain and i struggle calling him a villain even though he he clearly is because the movie isn't centered around them having to stop him or even him trying to quote pursue or stop them or achieve his goals sully is just like the elephant in the room sully is kind of the representation of their hunger and what would happen if they were to let that hunger overtake them and never fight it so i thought that he was a very effective villain and him being so again he's very childlike and very simple-minded but when it's time to get nefarious he is a very nefarious and very evil character i think that he i think that he did a fantastic job of of being this of being this glooming threat that is out of sight but always there thought that was really well done again with the emotion the emotional baggage this movie gives you and they they make you feel so sympathetic and they make you so terrified of sully of of that monster just fantastic the movie's very well done uh it has a beginning a middle and an end and that's what we needed the end the open the ending is a little open-ended but it 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 is it was nicely wrapped up it wasn't this movie that was it felt incomplete or felt like it was felt like it was dragging so the pacing was good now the gore in the movie the gore was very effective it wasn't it wasn't um for a cannibal movie it wasn't like overdone or just malicious or or even just excessive it was balanced very well it made this it, not to say that this is like oh this is a, a movie about cannibals that kids can watch I'm not saying that but it's it's very toned down and yet very effective and i felt like that the effects with those even though there's not there wasn't a lot of effects that had to be that had to be shown here i thought that all those were very done very well as well i do like the world that they give us here in this movie where yes we don't have all the answers but we have enough and what we need to form this story in our heads and to follow this story i thought they did well with that all the actors and actresses did did great. There's no complaints in that department for me at all. Like just phenomenal performances from all. But there are some negatives. And but there's not very few. I do think that even though the pacing was done well, I do wish the movie was a little shorter. And I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. And I do think that in, in newer films, 
that is always going to be an issue. I feel like that these movies, some of these movies, or the majority of these movies, they do run a little too long, about 20 minutes too long on the average. So if it was a little bit shorter, I, I could have lived with that. Uh, as far as the other negative goes, I, I feel like, I feel like that I did want more from the story. I did want more explanation about the condition and obviously there's more there's more of these quote eaters out there but I would like to have had more of an explanation fleshed out in that world uh, as far as it like being its setting being in the 80s and all that that was fine too I just felt like that it didn't really add anything to it. It was like, oh, they're in the 80s. It didn't really add anything to the movie other than really the sense of isolationism and the sense of they can't be caught because there's no way of tracking them because it's the 80s. But I just felt like putting them in the 80s didn't really affect the film or or it didn't really affect it in a negative way or a positive way. But really, that's all the complaints I got. This movie was really good. I, I really liked this movie. I, I, it might even make my best of 2022 list. Who knows? But let's get to the final verdict. Bones and All is the perfect definition of a dark love story, with truly organic performances by Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell as Marion and Lee that collide perfectly with the creepy and deranged performance of Mark Ray Lance as Sully. All channeled through a well-shot film that embodies the same energy as such classics like Near Dark. With all that being said, Bones and All gets a four out of five and is grizzly gray guaranteed. Go out and see it. Now, we're gonna move on to the menu. So the menu, this one's going to be kind of a short review because I really don't want to give away too much of the plot, but the menu is about this couple who are going to this exclusive restaurant by this famous chef and the restaurant's called Hawthorne and it's on this island and it's completely isolated from every, everything. You can only get there through water taxi and essentially it's this high class restaurant that is literally it's super expensive it's like twelve hundred dollars a head just to go to this thing and doesn't count gratuity and tips and all that stuff just way overboard dining that me and probably most of y'all will never eat at so uh and margo is kind of like people like normal people who aren't really into food culture and stuff like foodie culture and culinary world and stuff like that. She is essentially us being the outsider that is looking in on this world. And then Tyler is this guy who is so obsessed with it that he's a douchebag and he's like, Oh, you don't know how to ferment and all this stuff. He's one of those guys. <laughs> and uh, you know, all the guys that we fucking hate that act that way about stuff that, normal people aren't as passionate about which pick your poison because I'm a, I'm very passionate about what I talk about on here so 
It's not really my place to judge anybody, but you know exactly what kind of guy I'm talking about. <laughs> so the other thing that you find out is, is that Tyler knows all the lingo and all the jargon and how supposedly how all these processes work. And he just, he prides himself on knowing all this stuff. Like he's like, oh, that's this. Oh, that's that. Oh, this is how you do it. No, you don't do it like this. You do it like this. So he's like this guy that supposedly knows how all this stuff works. But in all reality, he doesn't know shit about anything. He's just one of those guys that got on the internet and read about it so that he can impress people. So he's that kind of guy. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so they get on the they get on the water taxi, they go to this island, and this is so strange and uptight and uncomfortable how all the staff on this island are. It's like a military camp or like a cult. They they look at they look at the chef like he's he's almost a god like they they would live and die for him and the way that they treat their ingredients the way that they live there they live in like a in like a barracks like like in the army in the military they they have like all these bunks in one room with two showers at the end and everybody stays in the same there and they live there they never leave the island just really strange and Un, I guess unprecedented would be the word to use. Just really, really weird and next level stuff that's really a little excessive to just be, you know, putting stuff on a plate, funny looking, that make it look good, but then you only eat two bites because it's not really that good. That's how, that's how most of those things are. You know that. But I digress. And once they sit down and they start having their meal, the whole point of of the meal is, of the menu for that night is each menu has a theme that the chef in general likes to follow and by the end of the night it kind of tells a story and as the night progresses and as the the food is being brought out in whatever shape form or fashion it is there's always stipulations. No, you cannot eat it like this or you cannot have this with it. It's all like, there's so many rules and so it's so uptight and all the staff are not rude, but they're very frank about everything. Like, no, you cannot have this or no, you cannot eat it that way or no, you can't do this. And everybody's consistently getting tense about this. It's as the, as the night goes on, it gets more tense and more intense. And then you start figuring out that the chef is somehow connected to almost everybody there but Margot. And the reason why is that Tyler invited Margot at the last minute instead of his original date that was supposed to be with him. They, quote, broke up. So he invited Margot along. And you find out a lot of stuff about Margot as the movie progresses, but she is the outlier. She is a not, she's not supposed to be there and the chef knows it. And it turns out that surprise, the chef has nefarious things in mind and proclaims that no one's going to make it out alive. And I really don't want to talk any more about the plot of the movie because I want people to go see this movie or it, or watch it when it comes out on demand or buy it because I was so surprised by this movie it looked like one of those movies 
that I was going to go see and I was going to have to make myself watch it because it just it just didn't seem like it was going to be a movie for me. But I really enjoyed this movie. I thought this movie was great. Uh, I don't think it's I, I don't know if it'd be on my my top top list of 2022, but it's pretty good. I was really surprised at the end by how much I really liked it. And there's some shocking scenes in this movie. And there's the the movie is incredibly, incredibly smart with how it weaves this whole story and the motivations behind why the chef is doing doing these things and how each of the guests are acting, whether they deserve or do not deserve what is happening to them. Uh, the I think the I think really the most shocking thing about about the movie is how they just completely give foodie culture a thumb in the eye. And it's it's kind of it's it's not really shocking, but it's just it's it's great how because every every type of pop culture movement, whether it be food, comics, you know, anime, anything has its negatives and i love how this movie pokes fun at food culture and how the simple message in the end is sometimes something simple and to the point can bring you so much more joy and pleasure than something that is painstakingly done with so much intensity that you don't even get to enjoy it. And I believe that in the end, even though it's like satire and poking fun at the food industry, I think the overall message and at least the way I portrayed it, it was portrayed to me when I was, when I was watching it is the overall message of the movie is, is if you don't enjoy what you're doing anymore, you need to stop doing what you're doing or you need to get back to basics. And I think that that's, that really hit home with me even though i'm not part of the 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 whole culinary world and stuff that that message applied to me in everything and i i really enjoyed that that was that was a really it was a really good way of of wrapping up the movie and and the message that it was trying to convey uh it was just put into this real deranged dark and honestly funny movie uh, it it was very surprising to me. It, it might have been the biggest surprise of the year for me. Both this movie and Bones and All, both of those movies were big surprises for me on how how much I enjoyed both of them. But let's get to the positives and the negatives. So we'll start with the positives. The cast was phenomenal in all their roles. All the all the cast members did a good job of portraying their roles. Uh, just like with just like with uh they're going with their roles like everybody that played like the person that played the food critic the person that played the famous actor the person that played the finance people they all played the role so perfectly that i that and organically that i really thought that's who they were uh anna taylor joy playing playing margo was was great she's good in everything i any movie that she's in i know that the movie's probably going to be damn good and her performance is going to be phenomenal uh nicholas holt playing tyler 
I hated that guy throughout the entire movie. So he accomplished his mission because he is that guy. He is, he is the dick douchebag that it's essentially he's gatekeeping. Essentially, he's gatekeeping food culture. Like, like you don't know how this stuff works, or no, you're dumb. That's that's not how this works. It works like this. Ain't that right, chef? Like he's just a kiss ass. He was doing everything he could to to get into into chef's. I think his name was Slowick. He was trying to do. He was doing everything he could to get in his good graces, so he can get pictures and and say, "Hey, I was with the I was with Chef Slowick and all this." And speaking of Chef Slowick, Ralph Fiennes, man, I don't think that guy gets any credit. He he he, just, he deserves so much more credit as an actor as he should. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy. He played Voldemort. He played he played the 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 guy that that was the killer in in Red Dragon. He, he he's just phenomenal in every single role he plays. John Linguizamo was great playing the washed up actor, and I and a little bit of a spoiler alert that the reason why he, the reason why the chef didn't was was going to kill John Linguizamo's character is and he's just called the movie star, but he's really he's playing himself. Is that the one day? that the chef gets off was on Sunday and he wanted to go enjoy a movie and everyone told him to go see this movie that John Linguizamo was in that it was this great movie and he went and seen it and he hated it and he wasted his day and that's why he was there because the one precious day, the day that he had so little precious time to go see he wasted it watching this shitty movie <laughs> it's just hilarious how 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 he he got roped in because he made a shitty movie that pissed off the chef the uh the food critic played by i believe or i believe the actress's name actress's name is janet mcteer uh she completely sold me as the the pompous and pretentious food critic that's like oh this is just this is trash this is oh they did this and who cares about this like and just hurt very much one of those food critics that makes or breaks your business and she just doesn't give a shit about the consequences of her actions when she gives something a horrible review it's that all these characters they they just they played their roles to a T and again it's this year has been amazing for performances like i just don't i don't i don't i don't know why this year's different than the previous however many years but this is the movies that i went and seen this year there has been so many good performances it's it's like a, a like a, a renaissance of great acting and great casting so i was very 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 satisfied with the casting and how they're and, and their performances uh the acts of violence or the gore there's not like a whole ton of gore in the movie but when a act of violence happens it is freaking shocking <laughs> and it is it and i like how they can follow up that shock with like just deadpan composure like something horrible would happen and everyone else in the room is freaking out but the whole kitchen staff's just they're 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 cool as a cucumber and i thought that that was done very very well as well this movie didn't have to be horrifically violent to be 
to be effective in, in its horror aspects. Uh, I think that the the biggest positive is how they just completely how they completely just put a thumb, like I said before, they put a thumb in, in foodie culture's eye, and I love it because, again, with the overall messaging of the movie is you don't have to take you don't have to take a damn one scallop and cook it a certain way or do something prepared a certain way and then place it on top of a pile of I don't know like diamonds and then drape sheets of gold over it gold flakes over it and serve it to somebody and say that this is the best scallop you'll ever have just cook the damn scallop and put it on a plate don't put like literally in the movie these the kitchen staff was tweezering props onto this plate and it was just ridiculous <laughs> it's like and, and and that's the thing is if that if food culture is your thing that's fine but i i enjoyed how it poked fun at, at food culture and how it showed how some people some people like act like they know about it but really they just went on the internet and read a bunch of shit and they're trying to impress people and that's why tyler's character was so hilarious to me the movie is really funny and it's really shocking when it needs to be and it's really dark when it needs to be and i loved the ending of the movie the ending was so perfect the way the way the interaction between anna taylor joy's character margo and ray finds chef swellick the way that that takes place and they're they're back and forth cat and mouse type thing that goes goes on throughout the movie was superb it was great just seeing those two interact with each other and how the and what the final outcome was to that so i i i think that i think that all of that was executed great as far as the negatives go and once again I really I I want to say that it's too long, but it's really not. It's not too long. It's it's like an hour and fifty minutes long, and to me, they could have told the story. They could have told the story in an hour and thirty minutes, and I feel like I'm like a broken record when when I talk about like time constraints. But it's or, or like the, the too much time. I, not every movie has to be pushing two hours or over. And I feel like that's the one downfall to this to this year and really recent years is movies are too damn long. They don't have to be this long. Not every movie has to be a two, three hour epic. And this movie didn't really commit that big of an offense with it. I think it was about twenty minutes too long. Could have been they could have summed it up. They could have summed it up in, in an hour and thirty minutes. But that's one thing. It's not it and it does drag at times. Certain stuff, certain stuff drags on a little bit longer than I feel like it should. But it's not really detrimental, detrimental to the movie itself. Uh, I think that the, I think that the plot was done very well. But I do think that you don't necessarily have to know food culture, but I think you have to know a little bit. You had to at least have watched a cooking show at one point to really get the full effect of all the satire and all the jokes and how it was poking fun at it. If you're not, if you haven't really watched a lot of cooking shows or watched or done anything with food culture or culinary world, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to have those jokes and that, that, that satire 
like hits you like it hits me or hits other people that that are familiar with that. So I do think that 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 is a little bit of the downfall that 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 the movie has. But other than that, I really enjoyed this movie. I don't think I do think its rewatch value is kind of low. I don't think I'll watch this movie a hundred times. I'll probably revisit it in the future, but it's not something I'm like I'm gonna pop the menu in. But other than that, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought the performances were great. I thought that the the plot was great. And I think that it was effective in everything that it set out to do. But what's the final verdict? The menu hilariously walks up to the culinary slash foodie world and pokes fun of it directly in its face while delivering a simple and effective message that hits home. With great performances, well done comedy, and perfect tension, the menu serves up a balanced film made from a recipe of a solid dark horror comedy. The menu gets a four out of five and is grizzly gray guaranteed. Go see it. Very surprisingly good movie. Now, on to Chucky season two. So last year when they released the first season of Chucky, I was pleasantly surprised and really enjoyed that first season. I felt it was some of the best stuff that that franchise has given us in a very long time. Uh, I I was really skeptical because I was like, there's no way they're going to be able to be as violent. There's no way Chucky's going to be able to maintain his personality without being able to use foul language and do vulgar things. And they proved me wrong. Uh, They found a way to do it, and it works. And I was extremely excited for this season and I couldn't be more disappointed in the second season that they offered us it's I've said it once before I'll say it again sometimes Don Mancini will do these things with and granted these are his creations and you know what he's the artist he created this he should have free range over his creation however my problem is is that Don Mancini likes to take all the stuff that fans the majority of fans do not like and focus more on that than he does the stuff that fans actually like and I just don't understand it he he likes to alienate his fan base and I, I don't really get it when this series first started they took all the stuff from all the movies and consolidated them into this into this TV show and that's fine I get it I kind of wish they would have just left out anything from Seed and just moved on from that abomination because that's one of the worst horror sequels of all time. It is so fucking bad. <laughs> and I thought that we had finally got that in our rear view and we wasn't ever going to have to deal with it again. And they dropped a few hints here and there in that first season. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine if they're just dropping little hints here and there. As long as, as long as they don't, you know, start bringing in stuff from Seed, I'll be fine. 
and that's exactly what the fuck they did. <laughs> and I just, I just don't understand it. So this season of Chucky picks up like so many months after the, like, well, really, it picks back up the the moment that season one left off with Andy Barkley driving the pickup truck or the 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 semi-truck full of Chuckies off a cliff to kill all of them, seemingly killing himself and destroying all these possessed good guy dolls as well. And it takes like six months go by and Jake Wheeler is now living with a foster family in some town X miles away that's not close to his boyfriend or Lexi. And they're supposed to meet up. It's on Halloween and all of them start getting contacted or harassed by Chucky. And long story short, they all meet up and this leads to Jake's stepbrother or foster brother getting killed by Chucky. And the punishment that all three of them get, because they of course get blamed for it, the punishment for all three of them is they're sent to this Catholic boarding school that Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky, has ties to. He went to this boarding school years and years ago. And it comes it comes down to this therapist. The therapist that recommend them be sent there has ties to Chucky and turns out to be one of Chucky's minions and I didn't have a problem with any of that I don't think the boarding school stuff is bad I don't think that I don't think that when they are focusing on the boarding school stuff it's bad now there's some of this some of it's hokey as hell and you know you got all the different types of Chucky's and all of them now have powers or have different personalities or different abilities and I personally I'm not opposed to that there's like a uber Chucky or a gym rat Chucky that's like super strong literally he punches a hole through someone's chest it's freaking nuts I thought that was pretty cool honestly and we're dealing with voodoo magic here so I don't understand why that would be that would be an issue for fans because to me that makes sense that if we got voodoo magic here why can't he increase the strength and stuff like that but my problem is is that we get introduced to a character like that and this is the Chucky that's going to kill all the kids or be the biggest challenge they have to deal with and then halfway through the episode he's either irrelevant or it just goes nowhere like they deal with that Chucky quick fast and in a hurry and boom it's done they spent episodes building up to this one particular version of Chucky that I think they called him the Colonel and when we finally get to him and he's finally about to, you know, start freaking killing these kids or or tormenting these kids, he gets killed very easily, like in a real hand-wavy way. And it's like, what the fuck? They sat there and they built this guy up and then they kill him off so quickly. So it's like, what's the point introducing all these if you're just going to quickly kill them off? Like, make them, make them like matter and I felt like they didn't that's the only real complaint that I had with the schoolhouse stuff and and the other thing too is 
I think that they do a good job of making making those that setting work. But again, they just keep they they'll build up to something in a story, or they'll get you invested in in a character, and then they'll kill them off so quickly, and it's like, what was the fucking point in any of it? So I um, I don't. I, I don't like that direction of the writing. The writing is 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 pretty bad, and it's like they just are writing as they go, and they don't really have any direction or any grand scheme in mind. And then we get to the stuff that I really have an issue with, and that's anything involving Tiffany and the meta stuff. I don't mind meta commentary in my horror movies. I really, I'm a big fan of the Scream franchise. But when you dive headfirst into meta commentary and it it starts affecting the quality of the show and like watering down the quality of the show, then I, I hate it. And they took the meta commentary from Seed and turned it up to a thousand in this show Jennifer Tilly I love Jennifer Tilly I think she's great she's a she's a, a gift to the horror community and and the and the movie world every time she was on the screen I wanted to turn it off it had nothing to do with her as an actor or as her character it's just I knew that every time she was on the screen I was getting a mouthful of seed of Chucky I'm just tired of see the Chucky needs to be put to bed and never be brought back again. Anything from that movie. With that being said, the characters them so see the Chucky for those of you that haven't seen it. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but go watch it so you can form your own opinion. It's a pile of shit, but go watch it so you can form your own opinion. And there's a character in see the Chucky named Glenda, and Glenda is the the child of Tiffany and Chucky and Glenda is this weird split personality transgendered British accent having Japanese doll it's the most hideous doll you've ever seen ever and it's, it's their kid and he struggles with his personality on what if he wants to be a woman or a man so he had Glenda and Glenn and in the show they have effectively taken his soul out of the doll, split it, and gave one one body Glenn and one body Glenda. They're twins now. And I think that actually does work. So if you're going to bring in stuff like that, that does work. But by the end of the damn season, they're put back into the doll again with the shitty British accent. They didn't have British accents when they were the two human twins so I, I just I don't know man I don't, I don't understand I don't understand what Don Mancini's trying what, what his point is in bringing all the stuff that everyone hated about the franchise and putting it in this damn season now I'm, I'm not completely like lost I'm still giving it I'm still giving it a another season to correct everything but if, they, if it keeps going in this direction, I, I have no desire. I have no desire to continue watching it. And there's there was a lot of, lot of hokey stuff in here. And I don't know. 
horror's got a hokey side and I'm not I'm I'm fine with that but I'm not cool when it starts just getting so damn silly that I, I can't even follow it so and that's my problem with with Chucky season two and I didn't really go over the season that much because it's a TV it's a season with a TV show and normally on here I I've kind of gotten away from doing whole season synopsises. I feel like if you if you're clicking on the episode that you've already watched the season and you want to know my thoughts and I give some brief spoilers and that's it. I'm not going to really dive deep in it. I just wanted to really talk about what I liked and what I didn't like. And I said a few things in the beginning. Now I'm going to say a few more things that I liked. I think the gore is solid. It's got some of the best gore of the franchise. I think that they they do a great job of blending practical effects with computer-generated effects. And this franchise isn't known for having these spectacular kills. And they probably get some of the best kills that in the franchise in both seasons of this TV show. One in particular deals with a chainsaw and a head like splitting in half and it was damn gruesome and done so freaking well. And like I said, there's literally a scene where one of the one of the different Chuckies is like this Uber Chucky and he punches through this character's chest, like literally punches his heart slap out of his chest. That was freaking cool too. But it's that aspect of it was was great. I think that all of the all of the cast are fantastic. I think they all did a fantastic job. And they did they did last season. Even Jennifer Tilly, even though every time she's on the screen because of the seated Chucky stuff, I cringe. She was still great in her role. Uh, Fiona Dorf is fantastic. She's the best actress on this show. The best actor slash actress. She's the best performer on this show. She has so much talent and she deserves to be in the spotlight a lot more than what she is. There's people that don't know who she is, but they should because she is a very talented actress. And of course, Brad Dourif, the, the other, the Brad Dourif's always going to be good, but he really needs to get even more praise for his work done in this TV show because of how he can give us different versions of the Chucky voice, depending on what version of Chucky you're dealing with. So the, the, the gym rat Chucky has a different voice. The colonel has a different voice. There's a, there's a point in the show where one of the Chuckies gets, they, they brainwash him and make him, quote, a good Chucky. He had a different voice. And Brad Dourif does a fantastic job of giving us variety with, with, his, with his voice acting skills. But overall, I feel like I feel like the show now has given us one great season and one not so great season. So I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know if they're going to, you know, write the ship with the next season. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but I did not like this season. And it's fine if you, if you watched it and you liked it, that's fine. But I prefer, I prefer my, my horror movies unless they're intentionally supposed to be funny. I, I prefer my horror movies to take stuff a little bit more serious and the stuff that's, that's went on in this season, like how there were no rules, like 
someone would th there was no consistency in the writing like someone would like get gravely injured and then the next the next episode they're fine there's nothing wrong with them just shit like that like it was it was almost like it was so rushed and i just want them to write the ship the next season i'm gonna give them a shot to do it but someone needs to pull don mancini aside and be like, look dude you can't you go this direction you're going to kill the franchise again it's essentially what he's going to do if he doesn't get his shit together because I'd probably say just by listening, just by looking at online and looking at how people's reactions to this season is, I can probably say with full confidence that about 75% of fans do not like the Seed of Chucky stuff and all and the overwhelming amount of meta commentary. And then the other 25% love it. But it's definitely a love it or hate it thing. It's not a, I think it's okay. It's definitely a love it or hate it feeling when you're watching this season. So we'll give it another shot. But what's the verdict? After the phenomenal first season, Don Mancini and company made the worst decision they could have possibly made by completely embracing everything that the fans hate about the franchise and moving away from what revived it. And even though the cast is amazing and the gore is great, it's all overshadowed and mishandled by horrible writing, goofy concepts, and tone-deaf direction. With all that being said, Chucky Season 2 gets a 2.5 out of 5 and is not Grizzly Grade guaranteed. Unless you're a fan of Seed of Chucky, or any of the meta commentary stuff from that, I don't recommend this season. If you're a stickler for continuity, you gotta watch it, but it's a tough watch. And with that, we're going to bring this episode to an end. Thank you all so much for y'all's continued support and patience. Without y'all, the show is not possible. I want to give a shout out to Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. His music is amazing and is what I use as my background music throughout each episode, as well as the music that I use for my intro and outro tracks. So check out his music at White Bat Audio on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and also follow the show on all social media platforms. And more importantly, join my meme militia by joining the official Facebook group, the Mean Joe Grizzly Meme Militia. I apologize for not getting this episode out quicker. Um, I'm always going to apologize to y'all when I don't get stuff out in a timely manner. Uh, it's not that I don't want to get it out in a timely manner, uh, just sometimes life gets in the way between my day job and the holidays and all that. It just happens. But nevertheless, I got the episode out. Um, next episode going to be talking some Christmas movies. Uh, going to be talking about Violent Night and going to be doing the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Christmas special and probably a couple other things. And we're getting close to the end of the year, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to close out this year and open up next year. I'm thinking about doing the State of the MCU Part 2 to open up next year or either to end this year. More than likely it's going to be to open up next next year. But we'll see. 
For all of my American listeners, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. But until next time, remember, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch.